It's like I told Wit after the first two years, you hired me for what's about to come. Because what's about to come is the hard part. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I don't know if I can follow that one up. Khalil Herbert is everything we dreamed of and more. Pete, nobody's looking <laughs> at your tweets. I love our guys. I love where we're going and what we're doing. We cannot stop fighting the good fight. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. I'm yelling into the void, <laughs> and that's what I like doing. Get you somebody not... that loves spruce tips as much as Pete does. Why did I pick Pitt to cover 14 points against NC State? I'm more. Do we need to get better? You bet. And is that my responsibility? 100%. I want to know what you're drinking, Rob. It is roasty goodness, even though I was What's out. What's the percent on that? 11. Smells like you're drinking like a cleaning solution. We're going to put this old guy in a grave. The end has already been written. We just got to go through the hard part to get there. And I mow the lawn after work before the podcast. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence. Brought to you by Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. My name is Pete Berthaud and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Robbie, Virginia Tech beat Georgia Tech in the Tecmo Bowl 26-17. to I'm feeling great after that win. How you feeling, man? I'm uh I'm a little under the weather, so the uh I I don't know what it is. We were just talking about. It. I think it's my uh my allergies kicking in, but uh so I'll be a little stuffy for this one. So apologize to our listeners. But other than that, I'm feeling great about the about the W for Virginia Tech. Yeah, man, we needed that one. Give us a cheers. Well, let's stick to that that same concept. Uh, a cheers to the team for uh, you know pulling off, going on the road, heading down to. Uh, what is it, Bobby Dodd Stadium, I guess it mm-hmm. is, uh, and putting uh, a performance out there. wasn't the greatest we've ever seen, but it was enough to get the W, and we'll talk about the game. If it seems like it's been a little while since we had a Hokies win, it has been a little <laughs> bit since, I believe, the Richmond game. So oh, it was, gosh, wow. Yeah. It was much needed for the fan base, and... Cheers to all the guys and all the fans that have been sticking it out for a few weeks, and now we got a W to celebrate. Cheers, buddy. Yeah, yeah that was much, much needed. I'm so happy for the guys in the locker room. Uh, we talked a little bit about it last week, but we needed this badly just for the morale of the team and keeping keeping the thing together to go to a bowl. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit later. But it was a nice little win. Let's get into the AP poll before we talk about tech. Wake Forest is at its highest ranking ever. Number 10, Demon Deacons. Highest ranked team in the ACC. Only ranked team in the ACC. <laughs> oh my goodness. What a what a world we're living in right now. I know. I know. And they, I mean, it was Duke, but they whipped their ass. Like, it, yep. it was a beating. I agree. Yeah, they, that, was a, that was another good win for them. It was. It was a good weekend of college football in general. Michigan State came back in an awesome win against Michigan. And, I don't know, the Penn State-Ohio State game ended up being a lot better than it was. Were you watching that one with the wife? I uh, did not. We went our separate ways at that, uh, at that juncture. So uh, <laughs> she, she watched it, but, yeah, a lot tighter than probably would have uh, – I would have expected. I picked Ohio State to cover. I think it was eighteen uh, or something. Yeah, so did eighteen I. and a half. And oh no, but you picked Penn State in our picks on. on oh, here. did I really? Yes, oh, okay. you did. So, um, but yeah, a lot closer than I than I would have anticipated in that game. Yeah, sometimes it's hard for me to keep track because I do a pick them, and I pick that later in the week, and I pick ours earlier in the week, and so sometimes I'm different, sometimes the same. And in the pick them, I did take Ohio State, and it and it got me, but. I, I didn't know if that was Ohio State playing bad or maybe like Penn State kind of roped to dope just a little bit with that uh, that Illinois game. <laughs> yeah, that, that that those were two different teams. That's all I can yeah. say. It was not not the same team. It feels like there was some other big college football news that came out the other day. It was Gary Patterson out at TCU after a long tenure of bringing them up, getting them into the Big Twelve, all that stuff, and now. Fuente's mentor is out of a job. Yeah, which is, that's incredible. I really didn't think that was, I don't know. I just felt like he was going to be around. I didn't think that would happen this year. Yeah, it it hadn't. I mean, they've been relatively competitive in some games. I know they've gotten blown out in others, but they weren't anticipated to do anything special this year. It shouldn't have been all that surprising. Uh, I don't, I don't know. It seems, it seems like odd timing. 
it does seem a little odd. And because I think that if Patterson wanted to go out a little bit more kicking and screaming, he could have yeah. and like kind of held on longer. But I think, I think he sensed maybe that it was, it was getting to be the time and I, he'll probably work again. I, I don't yeah. know, maybe an analyst, but I feel like he could, help out a team he could end up on alabama staff oh, you know definitely. yeah i mean he's a <laughs> he is a very very good defensive coach and uh and a pretty good you know offensive coach as well i think he could end up at alabama doing stuff there and i think he yeah. could coach again if he wants to i don't know if he needs to yeah it's it's similar to beamer he's not the the legend that beamer was but to tcu he's just as important yep. and he kind of decided to go out on his own terms i guess yeah. And I respect that. And he, and, and it's going to help the university, you know, getting someone in there, they're doing the exact same thing. They, they give them a month to get ahead of it and, and find someone to put in place. Yeah. And, and that kind of is a good segue to people are drawing the Fuente line to TCU. And, and to me, that seems very unlikely. Yeah. Uh, and I think I posted the, the clip of Godfrey talking about how like, there are a lot better candidates mm-hmm. than Fuente for TCU that are out there, but he worked there, and that's where he, you know, got his big break to be in big time college football, and so everyone's naturally talking about it. Well, it's stupid to talk about because it doesn't it doesn't make any sense if you're not satisfied with what's going on with Gary Patterson and with the legacy that he had, and the only reason that Fuente, who is not, you know everybody's first candidate on their list. Let's put it that way right now. You're only really going after him because of the legacy again, right? It's not, yeah, this, this would not be of all times to make another kind of what you did for me type hire. Just from the sense that Fuente, like you indicated, he has no juice right now in terms of being a coaching candidate. Like, I don't know why you'd go, you know, out of your way to try to hire Justin Fuente unless he was like your family member or something. No, the (laughs) the fan base would, they can be very pissed off, I would imagine. Yeah, they would. It would not go over well at all. And people were talking about Fuente with Texas Tech too. And Texas Tech is going to hire the UTSA coach, or they're going to hire someone else. You know, an up and comer. Um, they're not going to hire Justin Fuente. Oh, it, yes. And Texas Tech, TCU at least has grounds to stand on. They, they made a good run when them and Baylor were going at it for a while. There, Texas mm-hmm. Tech fans are even more delusional that they just think they deserve something really, really good or new up and comer. They're not, they would never go for that. That's for sure. Yeah. I do think that whoever, like there are some good options because a lot of the candidates this year, I feel like uh, are Midwestern kind of guys, like whether it's Alex Grinch or, you know, the, the guys at UTSA, there's a lot of these guys that are kind of in the Texas Midwestern Southwest areas, um, which makes our coaching search a little bit more difficult because I think for Fuente, the writing's a little bit on the wall, not guaranteed that he'll be gone. But if he were to be gone, I think a lot of people want someone who has familiarity with the East Coast, with the state of Virginia, with the Mid-Atlantic. We don't want another Texas or Oklahoma-based kind of guy. Yeah, and not not even that. There's other guys out there. So I heard this one today, and I hadn't. this one hadn't really popped up on my radar. Uh, Dan Lanning at Georgia, who came in and basically he's he is the career... He adapted everything that Alabama developed under Kirby Smart and that defense that he took with him, but has built on it. And that guy's 35 years old right now. At wow. He's going to be a head coach. I would assume, my guess is, this next upcoming year, he'll get his yeah. for probably first head coaching job with how good that defense is. Yeah, it's a... It's definitely becoming a younger man's game, but 35 is is pretty darn young. Most most guys don't make that leap to uh, to FBS at 35, but hey, it's starting to happen in the NFL. I mean, McVay came in and he was super young, and there's been other ones just like Cliff Kingsbury. You know, he, he's an NFL coach now, but at both levels, you're seeing the coaches get younger and younger. I've been tweeting out <laughs> Virginia Tech head coach blank for the last like week now, a new guy every day. And some of them are more trolly, but I don't think I've put out anyone that I wouldn't necessarily be happy with. Uh-huh. They're, they're all like guys that are reasonable. They're not necessarily any of them, my first choice or whatever, but you know, Billy Napier, Clawson, I put out Mike Elko today. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those guys do happen to be a little older. Elko is actually on the younger side. He's only 44, even though we've heard his name for a long time. Oh, I thought he was actually, I thought he was older than that too. I didn't, I didn't yeah. know he was that young. 
and he coached at Richmond. So that was another tie to the uh, to the state. But I was quite a while ago. He was at Richmond, but he's been at Wake. He's been in the ACC. You know, he he knows the area better than some of the Midwestern guys. But I still think um, we'll talk about coaching candidates more. This is just kind of for fun right now. But I feel like Wit would go with someone that has head coaching experience, which Elko does not. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And that whole conversation that you just really just punched me in the face with the knowing that Dan Lanning is three years younger than me and uh, Mike, El- <laughs> Mike Elko is only six years older than me and soon to be five. Right. Uh, yeah. So yeah. time is creeping up on me quickly. We we are old. Yes. In, ter- in terms of the coaching profession, even we're, we're starting to come to that to that years where there's going to be guys younger than us in, in the FBS, in the league, all that kind of stuff. Nice. This is, man, that was awesome. So. I wanted to talk quickly just about the CFB rankings, uh, the CFP rankings, I should clarify. They come out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking about it. Top four, you know, I'm looking at the AP poll, and it's UGA, Cincy, Bama, Oklahoma, and then right at five, you got Michigan State after their big win. But when the CFP rankings come out tomorrow night, which you guys will get that on Tuesday night, you'll get the podcast on Tuesday night. The rankings come out that night. Do you think Cincinnati will be in the top four? It's tough. I don't know that they will. So Georgia will be at number one. And then I'm trying to think who's going to fill out the four. I think Oklahoma will be in the top four. And then I think that they'll put Michigan State in there after that Michigan win. So would they make the f- number four spot? Over, over Bama? Yeah. No. <laughs> over Oklahoma, who's undefeated? Yeah. Um, over Ohio State, even? Ohio State has a couple nice wins. They have... I, yeah, they should be ahead of Ohio State. Right now, it'll change over time in Ohio State. Yes. Has it, but but just in these initial rankings, do you think they'll no, put Cincinnati in the top four? They should be, but they won't be. I, I bet they put them at five just as just to just to a little reach around uh for all the fans, <laughs> but like not really the full kind of gift that we all want, which is we wanted them to be in the and they deserve. We to be want in a the party crasher. I think a lot of fans would prefer to have you know one of these G five teams to make it. And Cincinnati's been good for a couple of years now. And if they go undefeated, I think a lot of fans would think they would deserve it. But that resume is just it's going to be tough right now. They are hanging on to that win against Notre Dame, and Notre Dame only has one loss, and so that's a very good win. Um, maybe one of the best wins that exists in the country. So. Um, I could see them being in there, but I if I was a betting man, I'd say no, they will be at five. That, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I don't think their resume is that much different than Michigan State's. Notre Dame win, a Michigan win for Michigan State. I know there's a bunch of other teams in there, but none of them have been that great that Michigan State has played at all. So. Yeah. People are starting to give them a little bit more credit for the Miami, Miami win, now win because Miami's playing better. Yeah. Well, they're still only 500. Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree. So I, I don't know. I don't think they will be, but, and they didn't do themselves any favor by favors by the last two weeks. They didn't dominate oh, nearly yeah. as much as they needed to. Um, yeah. They could not separate against Tulane. Obviously they didn't separate against Navy. And, and I thought they would, I've been waiting for this style points thing to kick in. So I took Cincinnati to cover against Tulane and it was just like, they never could get the momentum going and keep it up. And I, I thought of it afterwards. I was like, I really shouldn't have picked them the week after playing a triple option. Yeah. Like I, I, I should have picked Tulane to cover. Nevertheless, they do need to put up points. They need to crush these teams and they're not doing it. Yeah, I agree. And they've had some losses from other teams on their schedule that I think SM didn't SMU. Did they lose this past SMU week? lost to Houston this past yeah. weekend on That was a crazy finish too. Yeah, so that doesn't help them. There, it, nothing is really going the right way for Cincinnati. I will say... Because Indiana sucks. Yeah, the com- the committee is, you know, there's all this infighting about whether they're going to expand the playoff, and maybe the committee keeps them out just so we can, they can actually push through the expanded playoff now that the actual conferences are all at each other's throats about it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's could definitely be the case. All right, so Virginia Tech is now 4-4 four and four after we beat Georgia Tech. The SP Plus is 39th for Virginia Tech, 57th on offense, 32 on defense. So that, that defense is nearly a top 30 unit. And yes, they are the better side of the ball, and they have been all season. 
However, the last two performances have been a little up and down. Um, but in that 57 for the offense, the last two offensive performances have been much, much better. Yeah, it's, um, it is very much uh, a Jekyll and Hyde situation, depending on what week we're looking at. And it seems like who might be coaching the offense. I say that in jest. I'm just joking. But uh, mm-hmm. it is, uh, I don't, it's all over the place. It's very reactionary almost. When things aren't going well, they buckle one side of the ball, is buckling down and then improving. And then the other side's taking their foot off the gas. It's been kind of all over the place. It has. The one thing that just to note about the SP Plus is that our last four games, we have a better rating than two of the teams, BC and Duke, our next two games, and we have a worse rating than the final two games, Miami and UVA, which are both on the road. So if you want to get to bowl eligibility, you should really do it the next two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Those are your easier shots to get wins. Yeah, because UVA's offense has been explosive, and Miami has really been improving week over week. So yeah. I think – if yeah, if you're gonna do it, Duke is struggling in a really bad way, and we're gonna get into Boston College is struggling in a really bad way right now too. So yeah, a couple housekeeping things before we move on to the game. The stickers are in; they look great. I tweeted out a picture of them last week. Again, we're we're only asking for five dollars. It's kind of like see it as a donation if you've been enjoying the podcast for a couple years. We're going to take payments on PayPal and Venmo. Those are the only two ways we're going to take payments for now. And we'll put it in the mail the next day, and you'll have your sticker. We're going to have details on how to make the payments on the website. We'll get that up. Uh, by the time you hear this podcast, it'll be up or very close to up. We'll tweet out all the details. But, yes, we are selling two deep stickers. Put them on your cooler, computer, wherever you – your fridge. Some people like to decorate their fridge with stickers. Uh, they look great. I thought they came out really well. It's just our album artwork, but – the, the great Clark Ruland made that album artwork for us, and it, it holds up to this day. It's it's a great-looking sticker. Um, and so, yeah, $5 donation. If you love the podcast, you can donate more uh, if you want, we'll, but we're happy to send you as many stickers as you want. If you, you know, $10, $15, you know, 5 bucks a sticker. And, um, yeah, support the podcast if you'd like to. All right, let's move on to just some injury notes. Tenuta was out for the game. Silas Janzi played at left tackle. Clements was at right tackle. And they obviously played pretty well. We were able to run the ball again, so that was good. And Waller was back as well. Uh, He was second on the team in tackle, so he was out there and he was playing quite a bit. Connor, Chamari Connor got banged up, but we don't really have any more uh, news on that. But hopefully he'll he'll tough it out and play. Um, And the last thing I wanted to talk about quickly was there were some rumors before the game that... Fuente informed the team he wouldn't be back next year. And I saw it a couple different places, and it was rumored enough to the point that Andy Bitter wrote about it in his article. I, I wouldn't be bringing it up if, if he hadn't. Uh, but Bitter said that he contacted someone who would have known about something like that, and they called it total BS. So take it for what it's worth. That rumor was out there. I just wanted to address it. Um, we'll see. I mean, I don't know if we'll, we'll keep hearing rumors like that, but it has been – uh, put to bed by Andy Bitter. Now, I'm not sure anyone knows full what's going on, but that's that's what we have to go off of. And there could also be some telephone game. So there's enough mm-hmm. swirling out there when you have Stu Mandel. You have you have enough people writing about Fuente's future at Virginia Tech that it's become a distraction probably to players. And he could have just brought it up before the game and said something along the lines of, hey, there's a lot of stuff out there about my future etc we're not focused on that i'm focused on you guys we're focused on playing the game and that telephone gamed into he let people know he's not coming back next year kind of thing and that's that could have been that could be that stuff does happen yeah and that that would not surprise me surprise me at all but i i trust andy bitter and whoever he's contacting i'm i'm sure uh is definitely a trustworthy source that uh it was it was bs yeah well, let's hop into the game recap. Virginia Tech scored two touchdowns in the first quarter, both to our best players. Trey had the long 69-yard catch and run. <laughs> that drive only lasted a minute and 17 seconds. Tavion got in with a short four-yard catch, and that was off a much longer drive, 10 plays. But GT also put a touchdown up in the first quarter. McGowan got the 26-yard pass from Sims. 
But there was only one more TD over the final three quarters from both teams. We kicked a couple field goals in the second quarter to make it 20-7 at the half. Georgia Tech started the second half with a field goal drive, but on their next drive, Griffin got the strip sack. Third quarter led to the field goal, and I started to feel pretty good about the game. GT tried to climb back in it with a touchdown, but on the next drive when it looked like things were getting a little dicey, we turned them over on downs. We were able to run clock at a nice drive, add one more field goal. We had a nine-point lead, and I know we, we just saw one of those evaporate, but we were able to salt the game away. VT wins 26-17. to I had a lot of fun watching this game. It just felt like the guys were a little bit more carefree, and I thought the story of the game was just our much more efficient offense. Yeah, I think it was much more efficient. It, um, it looked it looked more cohesive to me in in total and in, in the total package. Even with some of, I wouldn't call them gadget plays, but some of them were a little bit, uh, you know, not gadgety, but a little outside the element. We we scripted some stuff that was, honestly, it was it was pretty it was pretty nice to see actually. I, and some of it looked like I was wondering why it wasn't in the the entire year. I think that there was over on the the pass on the left hand side. Um, where we had, you know, it looked like kind of a blown coverage, but I think it was a nice kind of rub route that we did with the three wide receivers on the left-hand side. And um, that blew um, the doors wide open. I think that pass was to Trey Turner or, yeah, it was the Trey Turner pass that he, the long pass down the left-hand side. And it just looked really seamless in the way that they executed it. And it caught the the defensive backs off uh, on their heels and really didn't see it. The, everything looked more cohesive. And I think, honestly, the run game, feeling better, feeling like there's a lot of confidence there. Uh, I think with you know, Thomas having 25 carries, I know it was only 100 yards on 25 carries, only four yards a pop, but it, Blackshear had another 83. There, there seems to be momentum there that's opening up a lot of things for, for the offense. I like just the commitment to that and it was only four yards a carry but that means he went over 100 he had 25 carries I mean that is a commitment to the run and we needed to do that later in the game to kind of kill the clock a little bit and it worked really well it was the best offensive performance of the season it was our third best offensive performance in our last 42 games and the other two I think had Khalil Herbert so it was it was our best non like Khalil Herbert game in in several years so it was fun to see us put up 491 yards, 6.3 yards per play. We pretty much looked like an adequate offensive team. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's a very nice change. Braxton Burmeister had his best passer rating of the season, 170, uh, 172. His QBR was 66. Most passing yards of his career, 300 total yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. It was good to see him be a little bit more comfortable out there. But I will say, not all of the throws were beautiful. <laughs> no, there were a couple throws. I, I finish off some of the stats. Trey Turner sure. had seven catches for 187 yards and a TD. And he, in all honesty, I I should have ran the stats and looked at it. Now I don't have my spreadsheet. He must have been targeted 18 times in this game. It was incredible. I think it was took, it was like 12. I think yeah. it was it was up there for sure. It was a lot. But seven catches, 187 yards. To your point that you were getting to. There were a couple of those passes that were not end over end, but let's just say they were awfully wobbly. And by the <laughs> yeah. time that they got the one pass that was actually was to Trey Turner, where Trey Turner was trying to catch it to right, like on his right shoulder over his shoulder. And the ball, because <laughs> that he was going away from the DB and the ball is just like flipping end over end to like his left <laughs> and you just see Trey Turner just that small moment of like who who threw that ball what what yeah. was that it's like catching a knuckle puck man <laughs> yeah. and and what a day for Trey man he he broke his PR for reception yards in a year in that game like he went over 600 yards on the season he's never done that in his career um what a way to do it it was our fifth best receiving performance since like 1987 or something it was, it was something preposterous uh, really great to see Trey do that. He No one deserves it more than Trey Turner with how many different quarterbacks he's had to play with, all the BS, being out in front of this team vocally, on Twitter, all that stuff, always handling himself with class. 
Uh, so I'm I'm really happy for Trey and having that awesome game. It was the first 150-yard game for a VT receiver in three years. And the 61 and the 69-yard catch were the, our first plays of the season that went over 50 yards. Wow. <laughs> so we were, we were hitting a lot of home runs last year with Khalil, but that, that was our first two really big plays of the season. Yeah, it was interesting rewatching the game. And it was like, huh. I kept, I kept waiting for the offense to stall out. And I was like, uh oh, we're getting, we're losing momentum. And then it would be 69 yard pass, like for a touchdown. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. well, you can't stall out when you do that. So that's one way to get around that problem. So we've been talking a lot about Malachi, and he deserves a ton of credit for being the first freshman to go back to back 100 yard games since Kevin Jones. But Blackshear has 150 yards in the last two games at like seven yards a carry. Yeah. Like he is so efficient when he's getting the ball. Those two guys, like we have an offense. If we can continue to block like this, we have an offense. And 237 rush yards as a team, that's stellar. And in the fourth quarter, when we needed to kill the clock, I talked a little bit about this, 11-24 we held the ball for in the fourth quarter, 11-24 seconds. So we we were able to salt that game away, 53 rush attempts. There's only one game we had more rush attempts in the last four seasons, and that was the six-overtime game. So we were able to really control the ball in this game, and it helped us get the win. Yeah, and I, adding to that, those rush yards, Burmeister, I think, had – uh, I can't remember what he had on the on the game. I think it was only like fifty or sixty yard, fifty yards, something along. The, but he it took forty six, I think. 40, yeah, but that was with some big time sacks that he took that lost some serious yardage. He did. He broke out some some nice runs as well, and in, as usual, in really critical moments and, and put together yeah. overall really a really nice day. The only other negatives I had besides some of the, the balls being not so pretty, I will say the, the receivers made plays, and that you pick your quarterback up when he's not having a great day throwing the ball, and they did that. But besides that, uh, we only six second half points. That that wasn't great. We weren't able to f- like finish drives. Just one touchdown on four red zone attempts, and we've been obviously had our struggles this year in the red zone. It seems to be continuing. Great to see our, our kicker put the ones that were close through the uprights, four out of five. The only one he missed was over 50, so yep. that's a positive, but we've got to be better in the red zone. Yeah, there's just a bit of – and it was one of my notes as well. We're just There's still that stalling when we get to the, the red zone where there's not a lot of confidence, and it's tough, when, especially when we're getting really close to the end zone. It seems like we don't have much in terms of confidence. I think one time we threw threw three times in a row and the run game's working, but obviously there's stuff in the box at that point. And um, even on the fourth and one call, I thought that that pass to Robinson on the right, I mean, that was ballsy, right? Because that was for that touchdown pass. And he had to leak out and get that that pass when everybody thought that they were were definitely going to run it. And we didn't. We ended up passing it and got the touchdown there. But... Uh, that definitely could have gone a different direction. We might be, you know, singing a different tune just on that one play. Yeah, I was. I guess I was texting with you guys during the game, and I said like, if their secondary was not just pitiful, we wouldn't have won that game because of the 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 way the passes were being thrown. However, it was pitiful, and we did win. So <laughs> sometimes you need a little bit of luck on your side. Lord knows we've had a lot of bad luck. Let's hop into the defense. Only 17 points allowed, 366 yards. Those are our nice totals. The issue was GT just didn't have the ball very much. Yes. So on a yard per play basis, they were actually better than us offensively. They were at six and a half yards per play. Uh, but we got key stops when we needed it. They were only three of 12 on third, one of three on fourth down. That fourth and two stop was huge. Yep. That was – that was. Um, I didn't know – I really didn't think we were going to get that stop. I, honestly, when it – my thought was they're definitely going to get this. And when we did and it was close, but when we looked like we didn't, they didn't get it. I was ecstatic. It was pretty amazing. Cause I honestly, if you gave me bet and you know, a hundred dollar bet, I would have bet they were going to convert that. Yeah. When you're getting six and a half yards per play and you got a fourth and two, like you're, you're thinking that team's going to pick it up and we were able to shut it down. So kudos to them for that. Uh, we held Sims to his worst passer rating since he became the starter a few games ago. Just 183 yards throwing. They also had exactly 103, 
83 yards rushing as a team. So <laughs> exactly even uh, passing and running. Uh, but overall, a decent day from the defense. The rush D is still, it's lacking. Yeah. I mean, the, the yards per carry is now 110th against in FBS. Like we, we struggle to stop the run. That'll come up in the BC game for sure. But this was Tisdale's best game of his career, I think. Uh, 12 tackles, 8 solo, 2.5 tackles for loss, and a hurry. I was just talking about how I, I wanted, we've always wanted more from Tisdale. Yep. He seems to have all the physical tools, and he just hasn't quite gotten there, but he had a good day in this one. Yeah, he did, and you had, you already mentioned it, but you know Gibbs, we gave up a good amount of yards to Gibbs. He was finding some openings and really punishing us uh, in a couple at least one of those GT drives, they made it look easy. They were going off for 10, 15 yards a clip and just driving down the field. But um, mm-hmm. I thought Tisdale had a good game. I thought uh, Griffin with that forced fumble was just so critical right there. A huge swing in field position and momentum um, for us. And then Amari- and we got three points out of that Yep. on the flip side. Yeah, exactly. And then... Uh, Chapman had the the interception, so uh, you know all all told, it was not not the prettiest day, but I thought it was efficient, efficient and effective. Um, and they GT definitely had some drives where they punished us, but on the whole, uh, they they did what they needed to to allow the offense to win the game. Is probably the yeah. best way to characterize it. And I'm encouraged by how the offense has looked the last two weeks with what we're hearing about Fuente working with the offense. And maybe he should have done this sooner and like when we were really struggling, but it took the pit game for him to be like, you know what? I'm going to work with the offense a little bit more. And that's, I've heard that from multiple sources. TSL has been talking about it. Um, and cause he was apparently like working with the defense a little bit earlier in the year and they were looking better. And then now he's working with the offense and they're looking better. It's like, is Fuente the only competent coach on this team? Like, I, like, but the problem is he's also in charge of hiring all the other guys. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And we knew this was going to happen, right? You, you and I talked about whether at what point it was going to happen that he just had no other choice. He was going to have to step in and get more involved, and he did. And honestly, it's kind of disappointing because the I try not to keep that in mind when I'm watching the offense so that I don't have this bias that all of a sudden things have changed, but it does. It just, it looks, it looks better. And maybe that's just because we had two successful offensive outings in a row, but schematically it looked more cohesive. There were times that we just decided we were going to run the ball seven times in a row. It didn't matter. That's what, you know, we were just, we stuck to our guns and we were going to run the ball and not do anything crazy. And, um, I think there was a, one of our drives was like seven rushes in a row and then one pass at the end for the touchdown. And it's like, yeah, that's awesome, right? Like you just get the defense absolutely scared because you're able to rush, you build, you get a lot of push up front and then you catch them off guard because they haven't seen a pass in, you know, an entire series. Yeah. And my takeaway is that it looks like we have an identity. Yeah. Like it, for we finally have what seems to be an offensive identity. And for the first four or five games, like I had no idea what we were going to see any given week. Now I know I'm going to see Malachi. I'm going to see Blackshear. I'm going to see some play action, maybe a few read option plays in there with like a little bit of a longer mesh, which I, I will say like Burmeister with those late pulls on the thing. And then those taking those massive sacks, yes. not great. You yes. might, you might just want to give it away every time I know. <laughs> on one of them. I saw that and I thought the exact same thing you did, but I think it was actually a, a cause he knew both he or I forget who was back there. And I couldn't remember if it was um, Malachi or uh, if it was Blackshear, but either one of them was about to get blown up. Like it didn't matter. One of them was going to get hit. Like it wasn't one of those where you could either pull and it would have been fine or give. Uh, and he pulled it. He knew he was going to take the sack. And I actually kind of forgave him because if he tried to hand that off, I think that I think the defensive lineman could have blown up that play and it would have been a fumble. And I think he by could, pulling it, it's yeah. not sitting in between the two guys. Exactly, yes. he, it was like a safety play. Yeah, I he understand. could see the train coming, so he was able to prepare for you know the demolished hit that he took on that one. I said earlier it was probably the most fun 
I've had watching this team play all year. They just seemed looser. Um, and it's obviously fun to watch the offense actually score and not just go three and out and over and over again. So that made it fun too. Did you notice that Fuente seemed to be smiling a lot more on the sideline? Like he seemed like happier or something. Yeah, I think I did notice that. And he didn't look as stressed out. I don't want to read too much into it, but I feel, you know, maybe getting more involved and getting more involved in the offense, he's happier about it. Maybe I don't know what it is. And, you know, seeing kind of the fruition of you getting involved and seeing some positivity out there for the players, I, I don't know what would be would driving it. But, yeah, I did notice it. Yeah, it's probably something having to do with that. Like, you worked on this. Now you're seeing it being executed. So, naturally, you're going to smile. Yeah. Like, you, 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 it's a direct correlation to what you were just doing. So, I don't know. For whatever whatever they did, it's it's working well for right now. And we got a couple of bad defenses coming up in these next two games that hopefully we can see it continue. Before we get into BC, let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. We talk about them every week. These are our two favorite beer stores in the DMV. Whenever I come down, I make sure to stop at at least one of them, see my buddy Arash, pick up the latest and greatest beers that they got in stock, and talk to the friendly staff. Let them let them point me in the right direction. What what what's the new stouts that are coming out for Christmas? Because it's getting to be we're past Halloween, Robbie. Oh, man. It's it's just about Christmas stout season. <laughs> it's it's coming quick. It's probably already been out for a period of time, but now it's about to hit full force on us. For sure, I'm I'm already. I've got a couple of pumpkin beers left, but I'm already kind of phasing out of the pumpkin. Even though thanks, I, I usually have one or two on Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. but it's starting to get phased out, get, starting to get a little sick of it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it, and I will be picking up some fresh Christmas and winter beers from Downtown Crown or Dominion in the next couple of weeks whenever I can get down there. But make sure to check them out. Make sure to follow them on Instagram. Uh, they're always putting out their their stuff and uh, letting you know what they got in stock. For now, Robbie, I need to know what you're drinking. So I am drinking the Faded Double IPA. This is Solace Brewing Company. It's local to here over in Sterling, Virginia. It's an 8.7% uh, double IPA brewed with uh, Mosaic, uh, Comet, and El Dorado hops. It is faded like faded that you would get on the side of your head like when you're getting a haircut it's got a little uh, razor blade on there and it's actually a very delicious uh, double ipa really refreshing and i like this a lot in addition to that i just noticed on the can they have a little advertisement on there for jill's house which is a nonprofit organization provide short-term overnight housing and care for uh, families raising children with uh, intellectual disabilities in the DC area. So uh, it's nice of them. It's not a small thing either. They got a big old label right underneath the Solace Brewing label um, about this. So uh, a good cause out there on top of a really good beer. So I would suggest you check this one out, especially in the Northern Virginia area. Solace is a great brewery and uh, it's always easy to find their stuff uh, all over the place. And this one's, uh, this one's really good. How about you? What are you drinking? I enjoy Solace quite a bit. Whenever whenever I get one, I've, I've usually enjoyed it. I'm drinking the Southern Tier Brewing Harvest Autumn IPA. I bought this a couple weeks ago when I was picking up some of the pumpkins. 6.7% alcohol from Southern Tier out in New York. Uh, I like the label, and I'm always looking for those non-New England IPAs, and that is what... Like, I love New England's, but they're everywhere, and that's basically all you can find a lot. So the more traditional ones, West Coast ones or whatever, this one looked like a traditional kind of autumn IPA, and, and it it's really good. It's just called The Harvest, I guess. Um, but I would recommend it. Southern Tier, for being a more, for lack of a better term, basic brewery, yeah. uh, they make good beer. Like, I, I always seem to like their beer. Yeah, they fall under the radar a little bit. Not too many people uh, pay attention to Southern Tier, but they've been around for a long time. Uh, traditionally started with a lot of IPAs and uh, have stuck with that. But they have a they have quite a few of them out there, and they're good. So um, definitely a good brewery to check out as well. For sure. All right, let's get into BC, man. Friday. It's a Friday game. Remember that. I had actually kind of forgotten that. I just saw it on the schedule. I'm like, Robbie, maybe we should record Monday. We got a game on Friday, not Saturday. ESPN2, we will not have to search for this one. So that, that is nice. 
four and four. They are coached by Jeff Halfley. They have lost four in a row, though. And um, earlier in the year, they lost Phil Jerkovich to a hand injury, and that has just basically decimated their offense. Yeah, so it's it's hard to say it's a tale of two teams because he was in for such a short period of time before he got injured and uh, it moved over to Dennis Grissel. But Jerkovich was hopefully going to lead BC to the promised land being just a good season this year. Uh, started the season, he was eight for 18 for 28, 200 or 325 yards, three TDs, no interceptions, gets injured, and then Grissel comes in and his completion percentage has dropped. <clears throat> I looked this up in every game since he got the start, literally oh. every single game. And it's been by fractional amounts towards in the last few because now he's in the mid 50s. So it's a little hard to get even lower than that. Um, he has 1,200 yards on the season, a combined 58% completion percentage, but six TDs and seven interceptions. So it has been uh, rough sledding for him. Yeah, they are searching for solid QB play to the point where before last week's game, which I think was against Syracuse, they were debating on which QB to start. And they literally listed all four yeah. on the depth chart when when Coach Halfley was talking about it. And he's like, well, this guy does this, and this guy does this. And like he was being really coy. And then ultimately it was Grissel again against Syracuse, but that didn't last long because he wasn't playing well. They put in Emmett Moorhead. But he's bad, too. I mean, he put up an 11.8 QBR, an 89 passer rating, which is terrible. He's not a runner. Yeah. Grissel's not a runner. But they were trying to change it up. But Moorhead's the, the freshman. Grissel's been around. You kind of know what you're going to get. He's a senior. Um, and like you said, he just keeps getting worse and worse. So they wanted to try something else, and it didn't work that well against Syracuse. So I don't know which QB we're going to see. It could be one of these two guys. It could be one of the other guys, but I don't think any of them are going to be that good, which is which is nice for us. <laughs> it'll, yes. it'll hopefully work out well. Jerkovich, a couple of people asked me on Twitter today, like, is he coming back? He's out indefinitely. He's only about a month out from that hand surgery. So if he were to come back, I, I don't think he's coming back this year. And that's uh, his, just for his own his throwing safety. hand too, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so it's, yeah, it's, that's not happening. And, you know, this team started the year – well, but it was well against wins over Colgate, UMass, Temple, and Missouri. A little bit of credit there for Missouri, and Temple can be a tough out most years, but this year they're not all that good. And then they've lost four in a row now. Clemson, NC State, Louisville, and Syracuse, which NC State... None of them are bad. Yeah, those those last three, can, if you can believe I'm saying this, those last three are really good teams, and uh, Clemson... <laughs> Clemson, not they so should have beat Clemson too. Yeah. If they had had Jerkovich, they would have definitely beaten Clemson. Yeah, and Grissel almost beat them. Yep, that's right. So that was a thirteen nineteen game. NC State they got blown out thirty three to seven. Louisville they lost by a couple touchdowns, and then Syracuse you were right on the the nose with your pick last week um, because the Carrier Dome will do that to you, and uh, <laughs> they scored six points in that game and uh yeah. did not go well they only they held syracuse to 21 which isn't that bad but it they are they are on the struggle bus right now i think bc had the three nothing lead at halftime yeah. in that game <laughs> and, then, and then syracuse opened it up a bit but yeah they have not after being after fighting against missouri and fighting against clemson they're starting their fight is wearing off and the talent is starting to take over and there's a gap here. And they've started to get bit by the injury bug a little bit too. We talked about the QB. Let's talk about their running back because he's really – him and Zay Flowers are the two only like good players on this yeah. offense. Maybe team, but offense, for, we'll say for now. Yes. Pat Garwo has almost 700 yards in the year, six yards per carry roughly, five touchdowns. His his numbers have gone down a little bit over the last four losses, but like not that much. He's still getting about five yards a carry over that stretch. Five eight two fourteen. He is he's a meatball. I mean, he, he's a strong dude. Yeah, if you look at his per game stats, he's perfectly adequate. Is how I would characterize it. He is almost always right in that high fours to very low five per carry um which is good i mean it's not it's not bad it's nothing stellar but he's he's effective for them is is probably 
and they have yeah. nothing else in the run game really it's yeah. it's really just they well that guy who tore us up a couple of years ago travis levy yeah he's still on the team yeah but he's only got 300 total yards which i get that's all right darts from scrimmage four touchdowns rushing sinkfeld he's got 242 four yards per carry it's garwo and then it's zay flowers who bursted on the scene a couple of years ago against us 35 receptions 511 yards for him um, and that's with just terrible QB play the last few games. He's still putting up some numbers. C.J. Lewis, Jalen Gill, Williams, they have they have some guys. The issue is they, they can't get them the ball. Yeah. And even Kobe White, who a couple years ago was picked as an all-ACC potential guy, he's only played one game this year, yeah. and I'm not sure he's going to play. He's questionable for this week. So despite having some weapons and a very good player in Zay Flowers, it's limited because of the quarterback. And they have a tight end, Trey Berry. I think he has you know 18 catches, almost 300 yards, and, and three TDs. And you're, you're interesting you brought up Levy. When I saw his name, I remembered him. And I was like, man, that's a really good running back. I was like, well, he's got to have. And I thought maybe he's, maybe he's injured, maybe something. So I always go check the per yeah. game stats to see like if it's like, played two games and he's been out the rest of the season. And I was like, no, he's, he hasn't been. He's just, you know, nothing, no production. And that's, that was surprising. But Zay Flowers is a very, very good player and somebody to watch out for, but he's just, he's just one man. The nice thing about that tight end too, at least the nice thing for us is that he's questionable as well. And he's their second leading receiver, Trey Barry. Mm-hmm. So they'll be turning to Joey Lucchetti, who's the backup tight end. Um, their offensive line is not the traditional, like, tough bc o-line they're giving up sacks they're giving up tfl uh they're 84th in yards per carry in the rush game as a team wow. so it's it's not good and vrabel who is a former all acc o-lineman he's questionable yeah so it's they've got three guys that may not play on offense they get a couple guys who are out on defense they they have their injury tr- troubles and they're simply just not playing well on offense right now so overall if you can shut down the run, they're not going to be able to pass on us that well. They ju- they just won't. And their O-line being nothing special this year is is good for us because I've said how much we struggle on the D-line and, and stopping the run. So bring up the linebackers, play man coverage, and let's, you know, let's shut down that run game for them. Yeah, I agree with that. I think what you're saying is they no longer have dudes up front. So <laughs> they lost some of their dudes. Yeah, yes, that's, that's definitely what happened. But no, I agree. There, if the the defense has come off of you know, arguably not their their best games, I think this is where they can really turn it on. I I agree with you. Uh, I think you get aggressive with the linebackers here and really try and shut down that run. Um, make sure to contain and let the DBs really show what they can do because you can probably put double coverage on on flowers uh, with the rest of this receiving core and and not deal too much damage. So for their defense, usually BC's pretty stout on defense. They always seem to find these guys from New Jersey or upstate New York that are just like ballers in the linebacking core, and it's been like that for years. New coach for two years now, so things are starting to change a bit, and this defense, they are... They're struggling the SP+. Plus. They're 68th, 73 in yards per play. The, the weird thing is they're 32nd in scoring defense. So yeah. they're either holding teams to field goals or just bending but not breaking all the time. I'm not sure. I couldn't figure out this. This is one of those. Remember on um, Podcast Ain't Played Nobody, they used to do the box score uh, game where they'd give a box score and, and, try and, um, and Bill would try and figure out what game it was oh, yeah. and what happened. I try, I try and do that with the defense before I really look in or read anything about it. I tried to do that with this team, and I had no clue what was happening. So I went through the, <laughs> I went through the box score and the stats on them, and then I looked at the scores. So this team gave up 28 to UMass, which is such a bad team. And then, That's horrible. Which That's horrible. is incredible. I, don't, I didn't even know. And you know what else about that UMass game? That was the red bandana game. Yeah. It's Which is normally like the game where they play out of their minds good for honoring 9-11. Mm-hmm. And uh, they gave up 28 points to UMass. Yeah, and then you look at, they gave up 33 to NC State, but they held Clemson, Clemson doesn't have an offense, to 19. They held Louisville, they gave up 28. Syracuse, they only let up 21. Overall, to your point, their scoring, scoring defense, not their stat-adjusted defense, 
is really good, but their stat adjusted, their stats are not great. I, the linebackers are okay this year, and that's usually a position that BC has year in and year out. Uh, if you look at, I think it's Isaiah Graham Mobley is leads the team in tackles. He's, he's a good player. Their DB. He's out this week. Well, there you go. He's already ruled out. Yeah. yeah. And he's their top tackler. Yeah. And then you have Josh DeBerry. And he's been around for a while just because I know that name. And he has a couple interceptions. But overall, there there is not a whole lot on this defense that I'm seeing that gets me, gets me worried. And um, it is shocking to me the scores that they've put up versus the stats that they've allowed in in a lot of their games it's bizarre another name that you will recognize is brandon sebastian Mm -hmm. because he's been around for a bit and he's a very good corner he is also out on friday so they're missing essentially their two best defensive players on friday night and yeah deberry's good and cam arnold Vinny de palma they're, they're good linebackers but this is not a strong unit. They're 120th in TFL per game, 120th, when a couple years ago they were so good in that category, 114th in sacks. And if you re- want to feel confounded, French was tweeting at me today, like, this is a big physical defense that is going to make it a fist fight. And I'm looking at the stats, and I'm like, "Where 120th in TFL? Like, the, like why should I be they afraid have, of this team? They have so 11 that, sacks. That's it, I think. Yeah, like, I, I don't. I don't get it. Only 15 hurries, too. So it's not like they are just missing. They only have 15 hurries. Um, so for, I, I trust French. So if he's yeah. a little worried about their defense, I'll, I'll be a little bit worried. But that 68th in S&P is, is – um, and, and what I'm just thinking now about the 32 in scoring defense has to be since they run the ball so much yeah. and they're trying to end games as quickly as possible – it prevents possessions for the other team, perhaps. That makes sense. Yeah, that does. And if they do play physical, then it also makes sense because they can tighten up and bow up uh, in the red zone and hold people to mm-hmm. field goals. So they're probably just not that that efficient on you know passing downs, middle of the field stuff. So it, it's yeah. You know, let's hope that it uh, they stick to the script and and don't deviate. Yeah, it's fiftieth in special teams for them as well. So. Uh, an average special teams team here. Overall, it's not a great defense. Better against the pass, but without Sebastian, I'm thinking uh, they're average against the pass as well. Don't put much pressure on the QB. That's a good thing for us. Got to get Malachi and Blackshear going again. I think we'll be able to run on this team. I think we'll be able to push them around a little bit. Um, I, I don't know. I feel good about the matchup in general. Yeah. I do, and I don't feel great about the location, and I certainly don't feel no. good about anything around. Thankfully, we're not Halloween weekend, but the BC kids always love to get up for for Halloween. So thank goodness true. we're not playing the Friday night Halloween game there. That's the most fun they have all year is, is dressing up. The um, I think, yeah, establishing the run I think is going to be important. I do want to pick on those those DBs a bit and see if we can do some stuff downfield. There there were even some passes that. It's frustrating with Burmeister. Some of these passes, he's so close on that it was. It's it's just something is just missing there. He's just off by like a half a foot. And maybe on, it's the shoulder. Yeah, I know. Like, and um, maybe we can get some of those. Um, I do like. I, I I like this thematic approach of sucking people in with the run game and then going over the top with you know a long pass and some some mixed looks in in what we're running in the route trees and i hope we stick to that it's a nice theme it it can be adjusted to and i'm not saying that defenses won't but at least it's something cohesive that we've been going out Mm -hmm. with and i kind of i like the way that it's looked the past couple weeks there are a few things that scared me despite all the stuff we just went against with the matchups because you can detail the matchup all day and why it may be favorable or not but Ultimately, that doesn't always play out that way. And for me, it's they're in the same position we were in last week, where they had lost, we lost a bunch of games in a row, we're backs against the wall, and we come out and we play one of our best games of the season. And that could easily happen for BC. A night game at home during a weekday, like usually the fans are pretty fired up, usually the team gets a little bit more excited for those night home games. So that scares me. And with the injuries they've been dealing with and the poor play, they haven't been within 14 points of their last three opponents. 
and the line is only VT minus three right now. Yeah. That's that nice. should scare the crap out of you for, for more than one reason. One, because it should be a lot bigger. And so what does Vegas know? And we've talked many times about Fuente's record when the spread is within three points. It is not good. Yeah, that is a little bit frightening and excuse me, a little bit tighter than I would have liked. Um, and I do feel, I wish this was a Saturday game. I certainly don't, I'm not happy about it being a Friday night game. That doesn't do us any benefit, but I don't know. The, if the four game route um, against them was with Jerkovic in and he was still healthy and they were just like playing bad, if there wasn't a real reason to be able to point to why it's been so bad, and that's been the quarterback play and the lack of other wide receiving talent, then I would feel worse. But I feel okay about it. Yeah, the, their quarterback situation is very poor right now. So that does make me feel better. We've averaged 250 rush yards the last two games. Keep that production going, and we will win. If we can get to 240, 250 rushing, like we're going to win this game. And I really believe that they're going to give the guys the carries for that potential. So I, I f- it's just like GT. I mean, I feel sometimes it's easier to go on the road and not have maybe the pressure of the fans and all this stuff. And maybe that's why Fuente was smiling because he played four home games in a row. It didn't go great. And they got away. They were together. And they put together a great performance. And I think they could do it again this week. And if they do then I'm going to start feeling really good about us going to a bowl. I'm still, we still need to go two and two to go to a bowl, which I know like old me would just be like flabbergasted at that thought that I don't think we can go two and two in November when Frank was a killer in November. Right. Like he used to just dominate at the end of the year. Um, but this is where we are. BBC, Btuke, let's go to a bowl and then see what happens against Miami and UVA. But I, I am, I'm excited to see if we can build on what we've been doing. Quickly before we get into the picks, the division race, Robbie. We got Pitt. They just took that loss to Miami. We're two and two. It's not completely <laughs> out of the question. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> I just, I, I mean, we should bring it up. I mean, it's uh, the Coastal's topsy-turvy. We know it. Pitt still has to play UVA. I mean, they... they some crazy stuff could go down because if we were to beat UVA and UVA were to beat Pitt, then if the three of us were tied, you know, we'd have to go to secondary tiebreakers. We wouldn't just, you know, lost the the head to head to Pitt. You know what I'm saying? So it's possible. We just basically can't lose. Yeah. We have to. Yeah. If, if they beat them, so that would put UVA at five and two. So we have to win three of our last four. <clears throat> and then that would give us the tiebreaker. And we'd have we, to beat UVA. Yeah, you have to beat UVA. Uh, obviously. It's possible. So if you'd have to, at the very least, win three, you lose to Miami, you win the other three. Yeah. It, it could happen. I, I like Because Pitt, we knew that Pitt was good, but they were by no means elite. And we played our worst game of the season against Pitt. Yeah. Absolute worst. Yeah. So... I'm curious to see how how it'll go. I don't think we'll win the division, but it's not out of the question. Yeah, and they have Pitt's got Duke coming up, so they'll have a win there. Yes, they have UNC, UVA, and Syracuse to finish things off, and that's at the Carrier Dome. Um, Ooh, so that's a little dicey. So they have two home games, UNC and UVA, and then they're at the Carrier Dome to finish the season off. I mean, all of the, those three games are toss ups. They're going to beat Duke. Yes, you're absolutely right on that. So that's four and one. And then we'll see what happens. They, they, they probably need to catch two losses for us to have a shot. It'll be interesting because nobody's really stopped UVA's offense. And their defense is not good. I mean, we just saw what BYU did to them. And yeah. so Pitt was relying on being able to stop some people. I don't know that they're going to be able to stop UVA. I could see that game being a shootout. And Pitt can't run really when they need to they were able to on us because we have very poor run defense but in general like they couldn't they couldn't run the ball on miami you know and and they're gonna have a hard time doing that on on any team so it'll be fun to see what happens but hopefully we can win our next two and get the ball eligibility so we don't have to worry about it going into miami or uva yep let's do the picks 
Wake at UNC. This is kind of fun because it is a non-conference game. <laughs> this is this so bizarre. This, this, this. It's that special deal that uh, Wake and UNC couldn't come up with enough out-of-conference opponents, so they decided to go out-of-conference in conference. <laughs> it is UNC minus two and a half. So they're the Tar Heels are favored over the undefeated Wake Forest. Yeah, and I know it's kind of it's a non-conference. Um, kind of in-state rivalry game. I'm going with Wake here. I, I, I think, I think they keep it rolling. It, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I, I get it. It's, it's at home for UNC, but I don't. That line just seems. It seems fishy, honestly. To your point, which you never like. So, uh, but I, I'm sticking with Wake. It does seem fishy, but I, I just can't. I can't get behind UNC right now yeah. I, I, they played okay at the end of that Notre Dame game like they they tried they they almost pulled it off but um I'm taking Wake they've been very very good now the Wake Forest defense is a little yes. bit banged up and this could have this could be fireworks like this could be really really fun from a viewing standpoint and um it would be a stay away with real money but I'm gonna take Wake GT at Miami Miami, 10-point favorites after turning the corner the last two games. Yeah. I have uh, I got GT in this game. I think Miami's going to win, but I just think the 10 points is a little bit big for this. I could see it being a 7-point game um, or a funky number, and I, I just see it being closer than, than the 10. I'm with you. I like GT because they can move the ball. And we were able to like get some key stops, but that's not always going to happen. And Miami might might just be feeling themselves a little after getting that ranked win against Pitt. So right. I'm going to take GT as well, plus 10. NC State at FSU. FSU, three-point underdogs at home. I like FSU. I'm going to take, take the Knowles in this one. All right. I'm going to go with NC State in this one, the Wolfpack. They they beat Louisville pretty good last week, right? They did, and um, yeah. I think it's a, they're a good team. They haven't they didn't put it all together this season, but I think they're they're a good team, and I, I think FSU still has a lot of work to do. Yeah, Clemson at Louisville, Louisville full four point home dogs themselves. Man, like Clemson, they are they're such a freaking mystery, man. Yeah. I, I'm I'm gonna go with Louisville. If you're giving me points at home against this Clemson team, I'm gonna take Louisville. Yeah, I got Louisville as well. All right, Auburn at Texas A&M. There are not a lot of good matchups this week. I, I was going through and like finding the ranked matchups. Like they just they just don't exist. But Auburn at Texas A&M should be a decent game. A&M four point favorites at home. Auburn has been surprising me, man. Bo Nix seems to be improving. I never thought uh, we would say that. I know, I know. I think I'm going to take Auburn on the road. Yeah, I got Auburn as well. I think once. Hopes were dashed for Texas A&M when they really thought that they were potential to make the playoff this year, and then that went out the window. I think that I know they got the Alabama win; that's huge. But when you know their big aspirations didn't come to fruition, I think they're they're kind of bailing on the season a little bit. Yeah, they they have been playing. They were playing so bad earlier in the year, and they beat Alabama, and they kind of kept it up. So I, I this really could go either way. I'm just gonna. I'm going to take the hot hand in uh, in Auburn here. Oregon at Washington. Like I said, the slate wasn't great, so I just kind of chose this <laughs> rivalry game. Washington, six-and-a-half-point underdogs at home. This is a tough spot for Oregon. I mean, they, they are still in that playoff conversation. They themselves could be in the top four ahead of Cincinnati. They could. I don't think they will be, but they could because they have – we talked about the best wins out there. That Ohio State win in the shoe—that's a great win. Yep. Um, I, I, my head says Oregon's going to beat that ass, but Washington and Oregon is Washington. Like they play them tough, man. Yeah. Like they, they do. So I'm going to take the points. I'm going to take Washington. I am going to stick with. I'm gonna stick with Oregon. It's a bad move. I think. I think you brought up a good. The only the only thing Washington's playing for right now is playing spoiler to Oregon, and they would love to do it. Yeah. So even if they make this close, they they put a big blemish on Oregon's resume. Even if they keep this game close, so I think taking your points is probably the right move. You know what? I'm gonna flip. 
I'm flipping. I haven't flipped it once this season. I'm doing it. And if you think about Oregon's loss, it was against a like a lowlier team that's a rival in Stanford. Yep. And so it kind of fits that bill. So and it's on the road, just like the Stanford game. Yep. So and it's the Pac-12. All right. This, it's just it's too perfect for them to screw up everything. Yeah. That they have. And yeah. the entire Pac-12, you could treat like the ACC Coastal, where like the unexpected yeah. <laughs> tends to happen. Oregon State. I tweeted out today, speaking of that, that like the team that's that's leading the Big Ten West lost to Bowling Green. Like Minnesota has quietly had a nice comeback season. And then the team that's leading the ACC Coastal lost to Western Michigan. Yeah, it's incredible. It's the whole Maybe maybe the Mac should join the alliance. Yeah. <laughs> that's Oh man. That's that's yeah, they should be in the alliance together. That'd be perfect. Anyway, that's going to pretty much do it for the podcast. We uh we really enjoyed getting that win. It makes this so much easier to do, and and hopefully they can do it again. I mean, if we can go on a little streak here, that would make the end of the season very fun. Uh, the the Fuente rumors and what's going to happen with him, be damned. We want to see this team win. Yep. And so they, they it's nice for the players that got that win. Make sure to subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 2DVT.com. That's where you're going to find the details on how to order stickers, uh, that's where you're going to find our stats, our beers. You can stream every podcast on the site. It's actually a very nice site. Go make sure to check it out. Robbie's stats are on there. 2dvt at gmail.com. If you want to email us anything, questions, comments, if you're interested in helping us out, doing a podcast for us, we're still looking for some, some interns right out of college, VT grads, whatever, to help us out with the podcast. And, uh, and rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you can. And we appreciate that if you uh, take a little time for that as well. So until next time, when we are hopefully celebrating a big win up in Chestnut Hill, go Hokies. Go Hokies.